Thank you so much to our sponsors, Yellow Racket Records, a place for music lovers to discover, hear, and buy new and pre-loved records. Great staff, great coffee, comfy chairs. YellowRacketCHA.com and RC2 Realty Solutions Real Estate Investments. Robin Ring's got a brand new thing. Call 531-1722. Only in Jeff Styles America. Hey folks, welcome back once again to Storyville with old El Jefe, Nuga's own Jeff Styles, spelled with a Y. Thank you very much. Hearing it here at fredpodcast.com. Try to do a Storyville once a week. Did not get one in last week because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Sorry about that. I'm going to pick up where I left off though. And that is the adventures that we had back in the summer of 1980 at Needmore Manor. The big country home that I lived in with Bear and the Barbarian. And the last story was about the Rat Wars of 1980, and I don't have to revisit those because I think I explained them fairly well and uh, pretty much in detail what uh, at least a few weeks of our summer was like after being infested. The big country home we lived in, haunted as it was, infested by big field rats. Now, I mentioned that the very first weapon that the trio, that the three of us picked up against these these vermin, these, these horrific invaders, were sticks, just sticks. Uh, they could be the handle of a hoe or a rake, but walking sticks were the primary weapon because everybody where I came from, and still pretty much to this day, most of my friends have a walking stick that they use, or even a collection. If you came up to the back of the home where I live right now with my wife, out in the middle of God's country, beautiful Sequatchie County, Tennessee, up on top of the mountain, and you parked where I normally park and come through the back door, the back gate, the back entrance, the back door, you would see a huge, big brass, I don't even know what you call it. It kind of looks like an oversized spittoon, but it has probably 14 to 16, 18 walking sticks of various sizes, shapes, and forms. Some of them were actually bought, pre-carved with little things in them, and some of them are actually quite fancy. One was owned by my grandfather, actually has a little uh, brass eagle head you can twist off, and it has a little flask, hidden flask in there. I'd like to have one that had a sword in it, but I never got that cool. But everybody had a walking stick that they preferred, and, and they carried them with them everywhere they went. They stayed in the car. A lot of times you'd see people with gun racks, and they might have a thirty thirty or a deer rifle, thirty out six, or a shotgun or something up there because gun racks used to be popular. But then more often than not, you'd see a stick. Everybody had a walking stick. Well, so when the rats invaded and we would walk in from one room to another and turn on the lights, we'd grab a stick and just go wailing about all around just trying to hit rats and kill rats and chase the rats off, and it was a pretty terrible time. But one night, one night, I was there with Bear, my roommate Bear, um, and I'll go ahead and tell you, his, his real name was John Johnson, and his air name, because he's the guy that got me in radio, got me in radio and back in radio after my first termination, was John Thomas. And for those in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area, um, you remember John Thomas being on the air at various radio stations around here. And his voice is still on the air, even though he left us a few years ago. 
Uh, he left the, this mortal coil, sadly. I miss him very much. Um, Bear and I were there by ourselves one night, and I don't know exactly how it got started, just some sort of friendly tussle, you know, just some sort of little wrestling match over something. Probably somebody was reaching for something, the other person hit their hand, and it just kind of got into a little, you know, Bruce Lee action. And the next thing you know, it kind of got serious. And we started really kind of sparring a little bit, and I just reached over very naturally because right there was my stick, my walking stick, and it was a big piece of hickory that had just been worn down by my actual, you know, palm sweat and the grease from my hand where I handled it, and it had just the, the blunted, you know, end where it was constantly hitting rock and gravel and soil and roots when I was walking, and I just grabbed it and said, oh, yeah, yeah come get you some of this. Lo and behold, guess what? His stick happened to be there, too. You know, we'd both gone into the room. We were both, you know, chasing rats with our sticks. So both of us were sitting there with our walking sticks. And, and these are not like canes. These are more like staffs. They're, they're more like staffs. Think of the, the staff that, that Gandalf had, you know, when the Balrog, you know, when he battled it on the bridge. You shall not pass. I mean, they were pretty good size. Mine was almost as tall as me. And his was probably about as tall as him. I was a little bit taller than he was. I don't know what his was made out of, but it was pretty stout. But we just kind of just all of a sudden just looked at each other. There was a gleam in his eye, and it just happened. Whack, whack, whack. Just a quick threesome. Tack, tack, tack. And we, you know, started a stick fight. And, I mean, a real honest, good stick fight. I mean, and you have to keep in mind, Kung Fu was was still even it might have even actually still been on TV in regular series play if not it was it was already in reruns and you were seeing kung fu all the time starring David Carradine and Master Poe the old blind master always had a stick and he was a badass with a stick and so everybody used to think they were a badass with their own stick you know and you'd grasp it at 10 and 2 and go, oh, and we started getting at it. And I mean, really, really getting intense. It, it kind of got out of hand, and the smiles left our faces, and we were in the middle of this living room area, and we were really swinging at each other. I was trying my best to make contact with his knee, and he would block it. And he'd swing back with all of his mic. Like it was a baseball bat. and would try to come at my rib cage, and I blocked it. And we were doing that back and forth, and it really started getting to the point where we were dead serious about it. This was a stick battle. It was a real stick battle, and, and somebody was going to end up with a cracked head or at least a broken finger before it was over because there was no backing down at this point. And so the intensity level begins to rise, and it starts getting more and more furious, and now we're beginning to, you know, seek high ground. Who can get on the ottoman? Who can get on the couch, you know, and, and start fighting downward and started moving about the room? And at one point, I jumped out of the room and ran down the hallway. I'm going to go to the kitchen. I'm going to give myself some more room. That's not what happened, though. I went there, but he did not. So I'm in there. I'm waiting for him. I'm waiting for him. And all of a sudden, click, a light goes out. The light in the living room goes out. And man, it started getting real. Shit was getting real. This stick fight 
somebody was going to get injured. There was going to be a winner and there was going to be a loser. And when he hit that light, I want to tell you something, folks. He had the psychological upper hand because that affected me. All of a sudden, again, the seriousness, the level of intensity was ramped up once again. And I went, oh, my God. And then click, the hallway light went out. So I knew he was in the hallway. So I started backing up in the kitchen. I'm going, now my heart, I'm literally beginning to feel my heart hammer. And I'm thinking, man, we're going to really get into this. This is for real now. This isn't fun. This is no longer fun. This is, this is for, for, for not just bragging rights. This is for staying healthy and hale and whole and keeping our bones together, right? And I start looking around, and, and I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. He had me freaked out by, by darkening the house. I backed out of the kitchen, went into another little sort of side hall that goes out to, toward the front entrance. Click, the kitchen light goes out. Now the house is bathed in darkness, and I can hear him creaking. He was a pretty heavy fellow, heavy-footed. He weighed more than I did. I was tall and thin. And I could hear the house creaking under his weight and heard his labored breathing. He wasn't in as good a shape as I was either, but he was damn good with a stick. And all of a sudden I decided, man, I got to get out of here. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I, I, I'm keeping my stick. We're fighting. But I didn't like the way it was going. I, I did not like the, the upper hand he'd gotten taking the psychological warfare to the next phase by darkening the house. My eyes were pretty good, but I don't know, maybe his night vision was better than mine. But what I saw was the open front door. The door was open. There was a screen door there, like most old southern houses had, just a screen door that led out to the front yard. The front yard was filled with little crabapple trees, small, undersized crabapple trees, and one great big pecan tree that sort of dominated the front yard. And for those who are not familiar with the way a pecan tree looks, it, it comes up very thick at the bottom, and then it spreads immediately. Great climbing trees, fantastic climbing trees, sort of like a live oak, if you know what those are like, too. And it was right perched on top of a little drop-off where the front yard fell down about five or six feet, just a little grassy drop down to the country road where we lived. And so it was, I guess you could kind of say it was a ditch, but it was actually, you know, just a grassy knoll. So I took out the front door. Boom. And then I hit it. I thought pretty hard. At the same time, I figured surely he'd hear me what I was doing. And he'd come after me, but I heard a clatter. He had stumbled up on something in the kitchen, a bunch of dishes or, you know, rat baits or something like that that we had out there, whatever. And I took off, and the front porch light was the only light left on anywhere on and around the house. So the front yard is illuminated. I go busting through the screen door, running across the front yard. I jump down in the trench, the grassy trench, where I now have the light of the house shining down on me, but I'm crouched down, and then I realize the shade of the pecan tree is being cast right next to me. It's exactly as thick as the pecan tree is. It's probably three and a half feet across. So I just jump over like one foot, and I sit there in the shadow, and I'm watching the house, and I'm listening, 
And I realize after maybe 30 seconds has passed, he hasn't chased me out yet. He didn't know where I went. And I could make out his shadowy form. I could see him through the windows of the house moving from room to room. And at this point, I'm envisioning, remember the old scene in the uh, Pink Panther movies? All the Pink Panther movies had, the, the Inspector Clouseau had Cato, who was given instructions to always attack him, attack him when he least expected it, so it would keep him on edge and keep his wits razor sharp and keep his you know martial arts skills honed. And so every time he came home, Cato would be attacking him, you know, and I'm not trying to be racist here, but I mean, you know, you had to make those noises when you were, you know, having these either mock or maybe not so mock little fights, kung fu fights. Kung fu was such a big deal at the time. And I'm watching my buddy Bear go from room to room, and he's whipping his stick around, and there's nothing in there. And now I'm laughing at him because he literally did not hear me leave the house. And I'm just sitting there in the shade of the pecan tree, leaned up against the grass. Dew is on the grass. It's probably about 1 o'clock in the morning. And I'm watching him jump from room to room, all feckless to, 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 to no effect whatsoever, because I have disappeared. I've become a ghost adversary. And then it happened. Boom. Screen door flies open. Here comes Bear. Bear had long, black, curly hair like Samson. Had a huge beard, huge bushy beard, bigger than Argonauts, even when he's got it all grown out. I'm talking about, you know, uh, Grizzly Adam's beard. And his eyes could be extremely fierce. There's a reason people called him Bear. He was a big guy, barrel-chested, hairy as hell, and his eyes could get really red and very vivid. And he came running down straight at me, just like a beeline. And I held up my stick, and I was going, oh, man, this is going to be bad. And he jumped into the ditch next to me, and he jumped up, and he looked at the house. And it took me a second to realize he didn't even know I was there. He basically got the same idea I had gotten a minute before, and he had left the house searching for me and then saw the lit front yard and realized he could go and jump over there and get on the other side of the ditch and wait for me there and basically, you know, come up with some sort of sneak attack from someplace else. He had no idea I was right next to him. I was as close to him as I am to Jason, the Argonaut, right now, but I'm in the shadow of the pecan tree. And he's looking up over the grass and looking up over the grass and looking up over the grass. And so I just went, wah, boom, and just cracked his stick. I just came out. I mean, it was just a huge 360-degree arc. What Just like, I mean, I was just bringing down an executioner's axe and hit him right in the middle of his stick. He had no idea I was even there. It must have almost stopped his heart. He thought I was still inside the house, and suddenly this apparition comes out of the shadow, and I hit his stick, and it just split it in two, just burst it asunder. And the look on his face was both precious and heartbreaking. I can still see it now, just as plain as day. This was a very important stick to him, just as mine was important to me, and I had cracked it dead in two. He was holding two pieces of a broken stick. 
he had lost the stick fight and his walking staff had been rent useless, all with one deadly blow. Pure luck. Pure luck, and I'm here to say it, and, I, and I, we talked about it afterwards, about how quickly it got serious and how intense we were, and none of us even had a scuffed knuckle. We had done this entire thing, had this entire fight, and it made no physical contact. It's just like we had literally gone into the mode of really being masters of this art, and we were hurling attacks at each other, but were successfully fending them off. Nobody got hurt with the exception of his stick. He was crestfallen. And that was the heartbreaking part is, I mean, literally, he lost the battle, lost his stick, and it's, he just drooped. He just melted. And I immediately, my heart went out to him. I said, oh, man, I'm so sorry about your stick. I mean, there was, there was nothing to be said. I mean, he, he was a defeated foe. And we talked about that for quite some time. We talked about it to our friend Barbarian, the other guy that lived in the house with us. About two or three days later, we are down at a creek, and we're crossing a tree, a fallen tree that crosses this creek. It's about six feet off the water, pretty deep place in the creek. And I had my stick, and I was repeating the story about what a great stick fight Baron I'd had. And I turned around, and there's a barbarian, and he has the wild look in his eye, and he has picked up a stick from the ground. And suddenly the battle was enjoined again on that tree, but it only lasted for about one second because the very first thing he did was just swing around and just crack me across my knuckles, my left hand. All four of my knuckles were absolutely just bloody. They burst, and I dropped my stick, fell in the water, and that was the end of that fight. So I guess the moral of the story is you only get one really good stick fight in your life without getting hurt. So make sure you choose your opponent carefully, and you use whatever advantages you have to your best use. And basically fighting the barbarian on the log I wasn't ready for it. He was ready for blood, and he got it. And that's the end of that story. Thank you for listening to Storyville today. Keep on listening. Keep on listening to Rockyology and Storyville here at Fred Pod, uh, Fred Podcast, not Podcast. That's a t- that'll take you someplace totally different. If you go to Podcast, you'll go to a totally different website, FredPodcast.com, and keep on listening if you can. FredPodcast.com, NougaRadio.com, 92.7 here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Thank you. Jeff Styles out. Fred Podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors, Kelly Subaru, Safe, Frugal, and Green, Riverfront at MLK, and at kellysubaru.com, Dr. Brett Moldenhauer, Institute for Acupuncture and Wellness, and North Spring Cryotherapy and Rejuvenation Center. Find them at northspring.com. For more, go to fredpodcast.com.